I want to start by telling you the story of what happens when I first pass my driving test. Now, my mum really kindly insured me on her car and the only condition was that I couldn't take any passengers for the first month until I learned how to drive on my own. Now, I've never really thought of myself as being a particularly rebellious person. However, in this moment, as a 17-year-old newly able to drive, I took the first chance that I could to drive round to my friend's house to pick her up and to go on a little bit of a joyride. Now, I think I would have gotten away with the whole thing. However, on our way home, I noticed that the dial on the petrol gauge had dropped pretty dramatically. And so to avoid leaving any evidence of our road trip, I stopped to buy petrol on the way home. Unfortunately, as I was trying to park up so that I could get some cash to pay for the petrol, I managed to scrape the entire side of my mum's car along a metal trolley bay in the Sainsbury's car park. Turns out that my driving instructor hadn't actually taught me how to bay park, which I have since had to learn how to do. But it was an absolute disaster. My mum was fuming. There was a huge dent in the side of her car. And it was just one of those moments that made me think, I probably should have just done what she'd asked me to do. We've all been there, haven't we? Those moments where we think, maybe I shouldn't have done that or maybe I should have done that. And the thing is, as humans, we, we just don't like being told what to do, do we? The idea of being obedient, it doesn't tend to sit well with us. It feels quite uncomfortable. We don't like it when we're told to drive slow by road signs. I know I don't like it when my doctor tells me what I can and can't eat. And I know that none of us like it when Netflix asks us that little question, don't you think you've watched enough episodes for today? See, obedience is quite an uncomfortable word, isn't it? But the Bible is full of this idea of obedience, of God showing us how it is that we should live, but us as humans choosing to do our own thing instead. We see this play out in Genesis, in the story of Adam and Eve, when God asks them not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And I think we all know how that ends up. We see it in the story of the Israelites, these people that God chooses and gives a set set of instructions on how to live lives full of justice and mercy. But instead, they choose to ignore every single one. Because you see this word, obedience. It literally means to submit to somebody else's authority. And I imagine for most of us, that definition feels quite uncomfortable. It feels quite restrictive. Maybe it makes us feel like our freedom is being hindered in some kind of way. But when we talk about giving our lives to Jesus or choosing to follow him, that's effectively what we're saying. We're saying, Jesus, I want you to be in control. I choose to give you authority over my life. This week, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from our Kingdom of God series. But some of the stuff that we've been learning about the kingdom over the last few weeks, I think is still really helpful in helping us to understand why obedience is important. Because if God's kingdom is defined by his will being done, then our obedience to him is a means through which his kingdom can come. When we try and do things his way rather than our way, 
the kingdom is then extended in and through our lives. Kind of like what Dave was saying last week, you know, obedience is what it looks like when we learn to march to the beat of his drum. And so I'd love it if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 2 verse 13, if you have a Bible. And today we're going to take a look at one of the moments in which Jesus uh, calls one of his disciples to come and follow him. And so this, this is what it says. He, meaning Jesus, went out again beside the sea. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So here we have Levi, otherwise in some other gospels known as Matthew. And he sat just doing his job when in walks Jesus. Now, Jesus at this point in time has just performed a really crazy miracle. He's healed a paralyzed man. And then at the same time, he's offered him forgiveness for his sins. Rumours would have been swirling about this man, Jesus, and what he's been doing. And no doubt Levi would have heard a lot about him. So when Jesus, who can heal the sick and forgive sins, comes over and asks Levi to follow him, seems like a no-brainer that he'd agree to go. But he's not just agreeing to go with Jesus in this moment for this day or for the next few weeks. He hosts a goodbye party for all of his friends because in choosing to follow Jesus, he's saying goodbye to his tax collector's booth, to his income, his friends, his home, and to actively choose to go wherever Jesus is going. I think the first thing we need to understand about obediently following Jesus is that it's not just a matter of belief, but of taking action. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, the response of the disciples is an act of obedience, not a confession of faith. See, Levi, he doesn't just pledge his allegiance to Jesus here. In order to follow him, he actually needs to leave everything behind. And I think it's the same for us in a lot of ways. If we want to live in obedience and actively follow Jesus, we might need to let go of a few things. Maybe it won't be our home and our, our family, although maybe in some cases it might be. But it might be our comfort. It probably will. It could be certain habits. It could be our sense of control in our lives. You know that phrase, it's the thought that counts. See, I'm not actually sure that that is accurate, that that's true. I mean, think about it this way. If you're expecting a gift from somebody and they rock up to your birthday party and they only give you good thoughts, it's not quite the same, is it? I always think that that phrase feels a little bit like an excuse, you know, when we forget something or it doesn't turn out quite 
as good as it could be. Oh, well, you know, it was, it, it's the thought that counts. See, when Jesus instructs us to love your neighbour, he's not just asking us to think loving thoughts towards them. He's commanding us to actually do it, to share with them what we have, to set aside our differences and to invite them into our home. Following Jesus is not just about believing in who he is. It's about choosing to do what he's asking us to do and living the life he asks us to live. Now, don't get me wrong. This this isn't a matter of just doing things in order to gain God's love. Because with his grace, there is nothing that we could do to get him to love us anymore. And there's nothing we could do to get him to love us less. If you're a parent watching this, then uh, you, you might know that if you ask your children not to do something or not to eat that piece of food from the floor that you don't actually know where it's come from, it's not just so that you'll love them more or that they'll gain favour with you. It's because you know that maybe it's not the best thing for them. Maybe there's better food that they could eat at home. See, when we choose to follow where Jesus is leading, that's when we start to see the best that he has for us. And we see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through in our lives. Let me tell you about my pals, Pauline and Elle. Those guys are students with us. And a few weeks back, they went climbing with a bunch of friends. And at the end of the session, one of their friends, his hands were really quite damaged. They were quite cut up and quite painful. And so in in that moment, They just felt as though they should do what Jesus would do and pray for healing. And so they did. They prayed in the middle of this climbing center. And what was amazing is that as they prayed, his hands started to get better to a point where they actually saw the cuts visibly disappear. His hands were actually healed as they prayed. And it's always amazing, isn't it? When we step out and we do the things that Jesus did and we see him moving in powerful ways. It's always wonderful. But the thing about obedience is that we don't just choose to do it because there's a guarantee of the outcome. You know, a few months back, I was at netball training and one of the other girls, she'd really injured her ankle. And so similarly to the guys in the last story, I really felt like God was saying, you should pray for her. And so with some reluctance, because I was very nervous about it. I did, I did, I prayed for her and nothing happened. Her ankle was still injured. To be honest, I think it's still injured. It might even be worse than before I prayed. But you know what? It it wasn't my responsibility to heal her. It was just my responsibility to be obedient. Levi, he had absolutely no guarantee that everything would work out in choosing to follow Jesus. But because it was Jesus he was asking, he couldn't help but just say yes to following him. And so that's the first thing. If we want to be obedient to following Jesus, it's not just about believing, it's also about us taking action. So now let's look back again at this story from Mark 2 for a moment. 
Levi, it says, was a tax collector. And tax collectors were some of the most disliked people in the Jewish community. And it's because they would take taxes from their fellow Jews and they would give it to the Romans who were overseeing them. And more than that, they would take a cut off the top and keep it for themselves. And so this is a man who, in the eyes of the people around him, wouldn't really have been seen as worthy of the call of Jesus. And the Pharisees' reaction, it kind of demonstrates that. They're absolutely appalled that Jesus would be even associating with these tax collectors and sinners. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus didn't call Levi because Levi was worthy. Jesus called him because he himself is worthy. And that's the second thing that I want us to think about today. That if we want to be people who, like Levi, follow Jesus, we can rest in the knowledge that actually it's not about us being worthy or even us making ourselves worthy, but it's because Jesus is. In asking us to follow him, he's effectively asking us, is following me worth more than the things I'm asking you to leave behind? Is following me worth more than the things that I'm asking you to leave behind? See, when God points to certain things in our lives and he says, hey, I think maybe you you should set that aside. Maybe you should leave that behind. Maybe you should leave that relationship behind. I think you should leave that gossiping behavior behind. I think you should leave that destructive behavior behind. I think you should leave that negative attitude behind. Whatever it is that he is putting a finger on, when he asks us to leave something behind, like he asks Levi to leave his tax collecting behind, it's because he's calling us into something that is far, far greater. He's calling us into deeper life with him. I think the invitation is here for all of us. Now, it might not be easy. It might take time. It will be a journey and you'll probably stumble along the way, but that is totally okay. But the question is, will you choose to follow? Is Jesus worth more to you than what he's asking you to leave behind? And then finally, in looking at this interaction between Jesus and Levi, this moment that we get a glimpse of, of Jesus calling him to be a disciple, is actually the start of a three-year-long relationship with Jesus, this journey of living with him, of watching what he does, of suffering with him. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, this is a relationship and a call that Levi goes on to follow for the rest of his life. See, when he made that decision to say yes to following Jesus, Levi was actually saying yes to whatever that looked like, to the big dramatic miracle moments, but also to the regular and the everyday. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus tells his disciples to take up your cross daily and follow me. See, this invitation for us to follow Jesus That's something that we don't just agree to one time. We've got to choose it every single day. You know, if I was to think about what that might look like for me, it might look like choosing to leave behind my frustration over the pile of dishes that has stacked up next to the sink and to just choose servant heartedness and just do it. 
It might look like leaving my snarky comment behind when somebody winds me up about something. It might look like leaving that piece of gossip behind when somebody's name comes up in conversation. Because if we're thinking about what it looks like to be obedient to Jesus' authority in our lives, we're not just talking about the super spiritual moments when he asks us to pray for somebody or tell them about Jesus, although it's really important that we choose obedience in those moments too. But what Jesus is asking is that we will follow him with every aspect of our lives to make conscious decisions, to choose him over our own humanness, over our own temptations. And sometimes I think that can be just as hard, if not harder at times. You know, I was chatting with one of the guys that we have on Zoe this week, and and I asked him if I could share a little bit of his story with you. He said that having grown up following Jesus, some painful experiences had caused him to doubt. And so when he came along to university, he developed what he called some unhealthy habits and began drinking and smoking weed in order to try and hide from some of that pain he was feeling. And before long, what had started as a one-off had become an everyday thing. But one day, He had an encounter with some Christians in a chip shop of all places that changed everything. While he was there, he received some prayer from some guys who just so happened to be from Trent Vineyards, which he said was was really crazy because he'd actually been here many times before, been along to a small group and things like that. And so in that moment, he felt like God was saying this, I have put a call on your heart. And you can run from it. But I will come and get you. I care enough to come and get you so you can experience the abundance that I have for you. It was a really life-changing moment for him. And this is what he said happened after that. This was, in his words, the result of that life-changing moment. He said, I decided I was going to try again and pursue God. When Lent came around, I took that opportunity to cut all the bad stuff out of my life. And actually, I've stuck to that to this day. And it's an everyday decision because it's hard to stop some of those things. It's required me to be deliberate. You know, I've had to change who I spend time with a bit, stop watching certain things that aren't helpful. In conversations, if it's stuff that's not good to chat about, I try changing those conversations. This year on Zoe, it's been a slog of personal reflection, reading the Bible every day and in silence and solitude with God so that he can change the areas of my life that aren't healthy, that aren't holy. It's still a deliberate pursuit every day. But when you're spending all this time with God, the outcome is a switch around. What confirms it to me is the amount of times that people don't even need to ask me what's happened. My life is just so incredibly different to what it was a year ago. One amazing story of transformation. See, if we want to experience this kind of abundance, if we want to see the kingdom breaking into our lives, I think a really good place for us to start is in choosing obedience. By choosing, like Levi, to get up, to follow And choose Jesus, whatever that might look like, every single day. Now, it might require us to make some conscious decisions 
For some of us, it might require us to actively spend more time with Jesus so we can learn what it looks like to follow him. And it may even mean that we've got to leave some stuff behind. But because the one who is asking us to follow is Jesus, I believe that we can say with confidence that it will be worth it.